Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Convicted murderer Graeme Dwyer has won a significant legal battle in his attempt to have his conviction for murder overturned. And this data, by the way, played a key part of the prosecution's case uh, in Dwyer's case back in 2015 when he was convicted of the murder of Elaine O'Hara in August 2012. To give us a little bit of an update on the implications of that is a Frank Graney court reporter. He joins me on the line. Good afternoon to you, Frank. Good afternoon, Niall. Okay, so the implications of this, because people are very confused by this. I've heard mixed reports into the implications of this particular decision by the European Court. So firstly, what does this mean for Graeme Dwyer? Well, specifically for Graeme Dwyer, I think it's really important to point out that this wasn't an appeal against the conviction that he received for the murder of Elaine O'Hara. In fact, he hasn't even brought that appeal yet. For the past few years, what Graeme Dwyer has been doing through various courts, including the High Court in Dublin, our own Supreme Court, and now through Europe, is um, challenging the legality of a law that allowed the Gardaí investigating the murder of Elaine O'Hara to access retained mobile phone data um, in relation to a number of phones that they recovered as part of their investigation into Elaine's uh, murder. Now, what those phones allow them to do and the information that they had access to was called metadata so this is you know as you and your listeners will be very familiar with you know location services for example that when you place a phone call or if you send a text message or receive a text message receive a phone call it will ping off the nearest uh, cell site and then Gardaí would be able to and they did so in Graham Dwyer's case they would be able to I suppose paint a narrative a circumstantial picture of where a certain phone was Um, And I suppose the inference there would be if that phone is in a certain location, then the owner of that phone is also in that location or if they're linked to that handset for whatever Mm. reason, they could paint that picture. Okay, call records as well are important when calls were made um, to what phone, how long they've lasted for. All of this was used in Graeme Dwyer's trial. Including, I imagine, the contents of the texts as well and and, and the, the text involved. Content was disclosed during the trial, but that's not relevant here. All okay. we're concerned about here is metadata, so that's call data and okay. location data. So the law that allowed Gardaí access that data um, was enshrined into Irish law in 2011 on the back of an EU directive in 2006 that was introduced to combat terrorism. It was introduced in response to 9-11. Um, now, in 2014, um, that directive was struck down by the European Court of Justice. That directive, as I said, underpinned the law that was introduced in Ireland in 2011. And, and sorry, Frank, but can I ask you, can you remember, or was there a reason why that was struck down? Was that due to privacy? Yes, precisely. Okay. And, and, that's, and that's the nobody issue here, is that there are competing rights. You know, a state has a right to protect its citizens and to protect life, but we also have the right to privacy. So there are competing rights at play, and that's a very interesting question, because that's been at the heart of these proceedings for the past few years. And to cut a long and arguably very boring story short, Graeme Dwyer successfully challenged that legislation, the existence of that legislation. He successfully challenged that in 2018. Now, at the time, the state would have been very aware of the ramifications of it, not only for Dwyer's case, but for cases that have been heard since that law was struck down in 2014, and for the way that the Gardaí go about investigating subsequent criminal cases. So they appealed that to the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court saw, saw, saw clarity from the European Court of Justice on a number of issues. 
at the end of last year, I think we were talking about this back in November, Niall, mm-hmm. uh, the Advocate General of the Court of Justice over in Luxembourg offered his opinion and he seemed to, he absolutely leaned on the judgment that was offered by the High Court back in 2018. And today, all that has happened today is that the Court of Justice has now confirmed that. In so they rubber-stamped it essentially and said this is the absolutely, law, the yeah. law. So now, yeah. So the next step then for Graeme Dwyer would be then, I suppose, to put together his own appeal uh, in an Irish court. That's, I'm assuming, would be the next step. So the next step will actually, the, the case will go back to the Supreme Court. So again, as I said a moment ago, the Supreme Court saw clarity in a number of issues before it delivered its, its ruling in relation to the state's appeal of that 2018 High Court decision. So the Supreme Court will now be bound by today's ruling. So over the next couple of months, what's going to happen is the Supreme Court is likely to, I would expect them to um, support, uphold that High Court judgment. Once that's happened, uh, that will then trigger Graeme Dwyer's appeal. I have no doubt that his legal team are in the background busy preparing for that already. And what today's ruling does is it really strengthens his hand. It doesn't automatically entitle him to have his conviction quashed. But certainly when he brings his appeal, he would be able to argue that the evidence that was harvested from those phones and presented to the jurors during his trial shouldn't have been used. I think before the Supreme Court, a two and a half day hearing before the Supreme and Court... And by the way, to point out to people, there's evidence, of course, in that case, uh, that data that was used as part of the key part of the prosecution's case was vital at the time. Yeah, it, it certainly was, because what... What the prosecution was able to do, having presented that evidence after it was deemed admissible, and it was challenged um, by by the defence during the trial in the absence of the jury, but what the prosecution was able to do was they were able to paint a narrative of where they claimed Graeme Dwyer was at certain key times during their guard investigation, and and equally where Elaine O'Hara was. So it, it it was certainly... I think it's fair to say that it was a key plank of the prosecution's case, but it is important to remember that it wasn't the only evidence. No, there was other, other evidence as well. During the trial, precisely. And that's what the Court of Appeal, when it does eventually make its way onto the floor of the Court of Appeal, that would be certainly a very strong ground of appeal that Graham Dwyer's defence now has. But there will be other elements. The court will have to consider the other evidence that was heard during the trial that was admissible, and they'll have to decide ultimately whether or not the conviction was safe. So... Ultimately, what, uh, in your opinion, Frank, what could happen? Could it be that the, the the Supreme Court will order a retrial, or will his conviction? Could his conviction be quashed? I mean, what what is the the kind of I suppose the worst case scenario or best case scenario? Well, the Supreme Court doesn't have the jurisdiction to order a retrial, but what the Supreme Court will do is. It, it's likely to, um, in the coming months, uphold that High Court decision, which will just set that law aside. So then what will happen is it will come before another forum, the Court of Appeal. You know, your guess is as good as mine. Like I said a moment ago, Graeme Dwyer's case has been strengthened greatly by what happened today, but the Court of Appeal will be able to look at other evidence in the case. The prosecution will obviously put forward its arguments as to why the conviction, in their opinion, is safe. So I think it's too early to tell. I mean, Mm -hmm. we don't know all of the other grounds of appeal. We don't know what objections the prosecution or the DPP is going to raise in relation to that. It's a very complicated situation because this has never obviously happened in Irish law uh, to this degree and such a high-profile case before. So, you know, if it was a case that there was a retrial or retrial order, it would be quite difficult to find a jury that knew nothing about the case unless you uh, went out and got a load of 19-year-olds. So it would be very difficult to find a jury, I suppose, that knew nothing about a case if they were to retrial this. 
Yeah, and, and I guess, look, that's cart before horse stuff. Yeah, like, we don't know what way the appeal is going to go. And certainly if the conviction was overturned, then the DPP would have an opportunity to decide whether or not it wants to go for a retrial. But again, it really does depend on the circumstances. I think the wider consequences of what happened today, and and these wider consequences should have been noted long before today. You know, this law was essentially declared null and void back in 2014, eight years ago. And I know cases since then have been prosecuted whereby this evidence has been harvested in relation to other cases. So that's, that's the next question. So that's the next question. Then. This has huge implications, I suppose, for other cases, high profile and, and such. This has other implications as well now, doesn't it? I, I think so. I think, I think what, what, what's maybe happened over the past couple of years is that you've had lawyers in the background waiting in the wings to see how all of this pans out. Now that they know what way the Supreme Court is likely to rule in the coming months, they could be busily in the background preparing their own appeals. You know, if they feel that evidence that was that went before a jury or before three judges, as the case may be, if it was heard before the special criminal court, where this evidence is often heard, you know, particularly in relation to organised crime, um, metadata from mobile phone seized as part of uh, guard investigations, often proves crucial because, you know, organised criminals, by and large, are forensically aware, um, and Gardaí would have considered access to that retained information an invaluable tool in the fight against organised mm. crime. They now know definitively that they can't use that going forward and it'll be interesting to see if any cases that have been prosecuted over the past two years, as I've mentioned, will now find themselves on, on the floor of the Court of Appeal. And this isn't just about Ireland, by the way. You know, uh, other police forces right across Europe will be looking at today's ruling with great interest because it could affect the way that they combat crime too but again you know it's important to point out that this directive that was handed down to 2006 never envisaged it to be used to combat domestic what you may consider more day-to-day ordinary albeit serious crimes this was a counter-terrorism measure you know that should only have been enacted and enabled in, in exceptional circumstances the state argued that clearly it has a right to its citizens it has a right to investigate crimes to protect life but we're living in the real world here this isn't minority report i don't know if you're familiar with that tom cruise <laughs> yes. movie whereby they can anticipate crimes before they happen you know clearly we don't live in a society where we can do that and what the state was arguing was that you know you can't retrospectively look at these things that you know it's useful after the fact to bring people to justice mm-hmm. but the court of justice has clearly leaned on the side of a person's right to privacy as as trumping that in, in these circumstances. And you know what? That can be a good thing in some sense. But obviously, in this situation, for a lot of people listening, it's probably not a good thing uh, in relation to this particular case. But I suppose it can be a good thing overall for the citizens to protect the right to privacy. And the European Court has leaned in, that, in favour of the, the citizens' right to privacy. But I'm sure the Garda Sheikhana and many other police forces around Europe are not very pleased about this today, this decision. No, and, and uh, Helen McEntee, the Minister for Justice, I see that she has been tweeting just to say that she has noted and the ruling of the court today and, and obviously she's conscious of of the next step in the process which would be as I mentioned earlier to go back to the Supreme Court the Supreme Court will then offer some clarity uh, in relation to its its own ruling and then it will be up to the Minister for Justice and our fellow lawmakers to see what they can do then in, in, in the way of um, of legislation that might be necessary now obviously being conscious of the ruling that was handed down today They'll also be very mindful of of the ruling, which I have no doubt will be very detailed 
uh, from the Supreme Court and they would be limited as to what they can introduce into legislation on the back of those rulings. All right, well, listen, Frank, thank you very much indeed for explaining that. I'm sure people are a lot clearer now about where that leads us and where that leaves us at this situation. Thank you very much indeed. Frank Rainey, Court Reporter, I appreciate you coming on. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. I-